0: Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon East. Hey everyone, I'm Megyn Kelly. Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show. Oh my gosh, this weekend. Increasingly grim news over the weekend and today out of the Middle East as Israel now reports at least 199 people are still being held hostage in Gaza and Hamas releases a horrifying video allegedly showing—I mean, they say this is what it shows, and we have no reason to doubt them—they're Hamas terrorists with stolen Israeli children and babies. Hamas labeling it as a video that shows their compassion. I mean, you cannot make it up that these ridiculous attempts at propaganda. Do they not—are they stupid? I guess they're—in addition to being evil, they're just stupid— In the video, you see a young child being bandaged, a terrorist rocking someone else's baby back and forth in a stroller, a man clutching a baby on top of a rifle. Oh, yeah. These are sweet, sweet scenes of compassion. Another telling a little child to say in the name of Allah before the child is told to drink from a cup. And believe it or not, some are buying what Hamas is selling as compassion, compassion, Honestly, we don't we don't know what happened to these children's parents. There's at least one report out of Israel saying that they've been killed. Part of me felt that when I first saw this, first I, I, I hope they never live to see that. I hope they can't see this. I cannot imagine the torture to a mom or a dad seeing your baby in the hands of these evil madmen. I, I don't know how to fight. As a soldier, I think it would make me grab a gun and run into Gaza. I, moms, can you, like, you would do anything. You would do anything. You would rather your child were gone, I think, than to see him in the arms of a Hamas terrorist laughing at him, holding him next to a gun. Who knows what they're doing to those children? I'm horrified by the video. That's who Hamas is. That's who these assholes on these college campuses are defending. Got it? Are we clear? That's the bad guys. Those guys, those are the guys you want us to negotiate with, right? Okay. Israel, America as its closest ally, we're supposed to sit down and have a little chat with the terrorists about how it's bad to take somebody else's baby it's bad to hoist him on top of your rifle after you slit the throat of his brother and shot his parents and let them all burn to death in their safe shelter. That's bad. We should talk about you stopping that. Bullshit. This is all such a farce. This is all such a farce as we try to pretend these are like reasonable people who, you know, will talk, we'll chat about a two state solution and, you know, about de-escalation. Sure. Sure. In the meantime, Israel's now evacuating citizens from its own northern border, Israelis trying to move them away from what's becoming an increasingly dangerous northern border with Lebanon as tensions are escalating there with Hezbollah. Uh, there are some specifics this morning. I'll give them to you. Hundreds of thousands of Gazans um, reported. Oh, hold on a second. Now I'm reading the wrong piece. OK, here it is. Israel evacuating residents from 28 communities along that border. People will be taken, Israelis, to hotels and guest houses paid for by the Israeli government on Israel's northern front. Tensions escalating with Hezbollah uh, after Hezbollah began firing anti tank missiles at Israel military targets, as well as an Israeli community near the Lebanon border on Sunday, killing one man and wounding several others. The IDF, Israeli Defense Fu- uh, Force, returned fire at Hezbollah targets and created a four kilometer buffer zone along the border. That's not good. It's not good. We don't want to see this go to two fronts. You know, I've heard some say it's inevitable that it will. And then I heard Victor Davis Hanson, he's always so worth listening to, saying he doesn't know that that will necessarily happen because Hezbollah knows it's completely outmatched by Israel, completely outmatched, and that Israel will will level it. So he was... You know, I don't mean to put words in his mouth. You can listen to his podcast and you should, but he was suggesting he, he doesn't think Lebanon's Hezbollah in Lebanon is that dumb. Um, there are also reports coming out of Gaza that hundreds of thousands of people have abandoned their homes in the north after Israel warned them ahead of its expected ground invasion. That's what Israel does. It warns its targets. The bombs are coming. The troops are coming. Now, it is true, these people have... Not that many places to go because Israel is not going to let them into Israel. They, they, they can move from, uh, the North to the South, but really what would be ideal for them is if they could get into Egypt. But guess what Egypt is saying? It's a big middle finger from Egypt. They don't want these people. They don't care. They got a big wall, goes up high, goes down low, 30 feet into the ground. Can't get over it. Can't get under it. Can't get around it. Egypt doesn't want them but the only person the only group that's supposed to give these people humanitarian support after they launched a war on Israel is Israel got it you understand the logic back here at home president biden took to 60 minutes to warn against an israeli occupation of gaza which by the way israel doesn't want
1: would you support israeli occupation of gaza at this point i think it'd be a big mistake look what happened in Gaza, in my view, is Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent all the Palestinian people. And uh, I think that uh, it would be a mistake to, uh, for Israel to occupy Gaza again. We did, but to going in and taking out the, uh, the extremists, the uh, Hezbollah is up north, but Hamas, down south is a necessary requirement.
0: I not I'm not exactly sure whether he even knew what he was saying. It, is it, it's a necessary requirement to go up there and take out Hezbollah? We haven't even done that yet. What are you what are you saying? What? I don't Okay. Um he also went and there more interestingly in that interview with 60 Minutes, he was asked, Are American ground troops a possibility? And he said I no, I don't think that's he said, I don't think that's necessary. Israel has one of the finest fighting forces in the country. Nobody wants to see American boots on the ground there. Nobody. You know, the people who are trying to, I don't know if it's defend Hamas, however you want to put it, here in America with like the forever war. No, no, no. No one wants that. Literally nobody other than Lindsey Graham wants to see boots on the ground and America starting a war with Iran. This is about supporting Israel and its right to exist and defend itself which is a commitment we've made under Democrat and Republican presidents since for decades. Then there's the anti-Israel and pro-Palestinian, which is at times really pro-Hamas terrorist rhetoric, engulfing the West. We have seen it everywhere in places that are America's most important allies, like the UK. Did you see this? Look at this. This scene Saturday near the prime minister's residence in London, thousands taking to the streets, chanting slogans, just to be clear, like from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That is an exterminate Israel slogan from the Jordan River to the sea crosses right over Israel. That's that's what they're saying when they're saying from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, carrying signs like no justice, no peace. Sound familiar? I get they get a little BLM inspo there. Look at this. This is what open borders gets you. Good luck. We're on the same path. In Canada, an unhinged protester speaking with our pals up at Rebel News, insisting, listen to this brainwashed idiot. Hamas is anything but a terrorist organization.
2: Hamas is not a terrorist group. Oh, it isn't, ma'am. First of all, Hamas is not a terrorist group. It is a resistance that has been fuming for 75 years. Everything that they do is justified.
1: Including what happened last
2: week? Every single thing they have done is justified.
1: Ma'am, there were children murdered. There were babies beheaded.
2: Babies beheaded, really? Please educate yourself. Please, Please check the news okay. because as as a news reporter you got to check the fucking news okay. because they said that that shit was fake. Okay? Hamas is a Muslim a Muslim group. They would never do that because it's it's against Islam.
0: They would never they would never rape women or murder babies, she said because it's against Islam. Okay. Okay, speaking of needing to do our research, sweetheart. Maybe the cold up there in Canada has gotten to your sweet little brain because it doesn't seem to be working the way it's supposed to. And then there are our college campuses and those who turn a blind eye or even once supported far-left ideology who are now coming to grips with what has been done to young minds. This woke college mind virus has affected far too many students in far too disturbing ways. We're going to get to all of this today as Emily Jashinsky, who is culture editor at The Federalist and host of The Federalist Radio Hour, joins us along with Eliana Johnson, who is editor-in-chief of the Washington Free Beacon and co-host of the podcast Ink Stained Wretches. They are, as we affectionately call them, the EJs. Emily, Eliana, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Megan. I'm so over, like, what's... (laughs) These apologists for Hamas that you see over there, up north, here in our country. Like, you know what? They're just confused. This was a battle raging uh, on Twitter over the weekend. They're just confused college college students. You know, they're sweet little babes in the woods on college campuses who, the the 35 groups at Harvard that signed that letter, they didn't know what they were, you know, they didn't really support. They didn't, really? Are you sure they didn't support? um exactly what Hamas is doing because they made it pretty damn clear in their letters and elsewhere that they totally understood. They understood absolutely perfectly saying this is all Israel's fault. Everything that happens to Israel is its fault. It's almost like you expect terrorists to terror. You know, that's what they do. They terrorize. That's their bread and butter. I don't expect Americans to to back it. No, I don't expect America, even the the most outlandish. You know, you want to go out there and say American Americans are racist Americans are sexist. Americans are transphobic. Great. We're used to that rhetoric. But to go out there and say Americans, like as Americans, we're going to support terror. We're going to back Hamas in the wake of its murder of families and children and innocents and seniors. That piece of it, I truly I almost don't get, Emily. You know, I, I don't get when we see our own citizens out there saying this crap.
3: It's sort of mind boggling. And I, I saw your, your back and forth on Twitter that I thought was excellent over the weekend and was, was thinking, um, you know, on the one hand, it is true that people have a really hard time sorting fact from fiction now. It is true that people have been lied to, especially by the foreign policy establishment, to disastrous consequences. Uh, that, that has happened. It is a pattern. And it is something that has, has absolutely seeped into the American sort of political imagination. All of those things are true. On the other hand, uh, especially when we're talking about college students, especially when we're talking about students at the so-called elite universities, they are adults. They are seeing Hamas's live stream of these attacks, and they have adult brains that can be used to make up what is a black and white, right and wrong issue. That doesn't mean that there isn't historical context. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that this was clear. It was clear as day, it was black and white, and it's almost insulting to Hamas, to say that they are not doing these things because they want the world to know that they're doing these things it is their branding terrorism is their branding and they're now telling people not to leave gaza uh, that is they're on the record saying that over and over again so it, it is black and white uh, and and i think as adults if you can't make up your mind up uh, if you can't make your mind up even in the the sort of glut and the the muddied waters of social media if you can't Make your mind up right now. <laughs> I, I don't know that you do have uh, business joining the adult world in any of these leadership positions that we so often see Harvard kids graduate into.
0: Well, that's the thing, you know, Eliana, is that you, yes, when you are, you know, seventeen years old, you don't have your fully formed views on the world. But you know, when you are, let's say, young twenties, and you're out there at these college campuses, or nineteen twenty, you know, murder's wrong. You've learned by by then it's not okay to kill babies, little civilians who are asleep in their beds. That's, that's bad. We, most humans have learned that by the time they go off to college. Doesn't seem like it should be such a high bar to require them to consider that knowledge before they sign these letters, before they go out to college campuses. And this is the way it came up over the weekend. The Ramaswamy tweeted out Um, the following, the Harvard student groups who co-signed the anti-Israel letter, and and I mean, it blamed this entire thing on Israel. No quarter for the Israelis. It was 100% pro-Hamas. The Harvard students who signed that are simple fools, but it's not productive for companies to blacklist kids for being members of student groups that make dumb political statements on campus colleges are spaces for students to experiment with ideas. And sometimes kids join clubs that endorse boneheadedly wrong ideas. And he says he's against cancel culture and it's bad no matter who practices it. Okay. I weighed in saying, this is your view as a presidential candidate when we're talking about, these are not kids who are like, I was a little liberal when I I was Pro Greenpeace when I was in college, you know, I was pro choice and then I became pro life later. These are young people who are out there demonstrating, writing letters as the murdering is going on of children attacking the children, attacking Israel, siding with terrorists, Eliana. And as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't want anything to do with any of them. I am 100% pro-blacklist. It is not cancel culture. I don't associate with terrorists. I don't hire their sympathizers,
4: and I don't recommend you do it either. First, Megan, I'm gonna ask your audience to excuse my voice. Um, I'm a little bit hoarse, but, um, you know, I think this is a really healthy debate for the country to have, and I'm glad we're having it, though. I'm sorry it's under these circumstances. Um, this is not, uh, I think blacklist is the wrong term for it. Um, student groups sign these statements, and this, the we saw the hedge fund uh, CEO Bill Ackman say, I want to know the members of these groups because um, I want to make sure not to hire the members of these groups to my uh, hedge fund, Pershing Square Capital. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy, on the other hand, if he thinks these are kids who entertain silly ideas. He's free to hire them. Um, There is no blanket blacklist. Uh, Each private company is free to do what it so chooses. And I think it is a lesson to the kids who are members of these groups that um, these are serious ideas. These are serious world events. They should think long and hard before they sign their names to statements. That shouldn't be too hard for the careerist kids at the Harvards and Yales and Princeton's and Stanford to understand. They understand that quite well, but employers are watching. And by the way, there are plenty of law school student groups and med school student groups that sign these statements. It is not just 18-year-old undergraduate kids. There are plenty of 25- and 30-year-olds who sign these statements. But um, every employer is going to make up his own mind whether he wants a signatory of one of these statements at his company. Plenty of them will decide they do. um, But those who don't, they are perfectly free to say, we don't want. Um, We don't want somebody who blamed the victim of a terror attack uh, for that attack uh, to work at our company. And we're seeing uh, we saw Ken Griffin of Citadel, uh, who gave three hundred million dollars to Harvard, tell The New York Times this morning. um, Absolutely not. None of the kids who signed these statements will work at Citadel. And he said 100 years ago these people would have been considered adults. Today they're considered babies, but a 100 years ago, uh, no, and this is beyond the pale. And you know what? He's got a lot of other options for for of people who want to work at Citadel besides um the 30 kids, the the members of these 30 groups um who signed the statement at Harvard. You know what? As you're as you were
0: making even better points, your voice got like even more raspy and it was working for me. I know you're crossing <laughs> over to like Little Robert F. Kennedy <laughs> situation. <laughs> what a trooper you are for coming on, notwithstanding your, your challenge today. We're with We're you. Happy to be here. Um, but yes, this is exactly how I feel. If you want to hire these terrorist sympathizers, go for it. Good luck. I won't be patronizing your business. But they're not going to come to work for the Megyn Kelly show. And I'm sure they don't want to, trust me. But there are large corporations where they wouldn't be outing themselves as one of these student groups. You signed this letter, or you were part of the, one of these groups and you didn't support this stuff. All right, I'm I'm open minded to hearing like how you didn't realize that the lunatic who ran your group was going to launch this letter in the middle of a terrorist. I'm low, I'm open. Great, tell me that you disavow. I'm I'm listening. But for those students who are part of the groups that sign these letters, blaming Israel and only Israel and cheering on Hamas, they can pound sand. I never want I I never want them anywhere near a company that I'm associated with that my children would ever go work for. And I applaud these business leaders for saying no. So here's what happened over the weekend. Um, Then, so I challenged Vivek and whatever, Vivek can defend himself. it, It was my pushback on his tweet that got things started. Then Candace Owens felt the need to weigh in on Vivek's side, suggesting it's all well and good. These kids can be rehabilitated. You know, they can, I would take like, you know, I've taken on people who've changed their views and it's disingenuous to suggest that they can't be changed and, you know, I think it's wonderful that she's willing to take them on. I really do. I look forward to the Candace Owens internship program over the Daily Wire. And I have found a bunch of students who she could take on because she really thinks that they're open minded to a change of heart. And here's just a few samples for her to call from here. Watch. My name is Arzal Mohammed. This is a Nazi
3: fucking IDF Israeli bitch. You guys are fucking Nazis. You're the one you killing Jews. genocide. You support genocide, you're the one beheading babies. Nobody is killing Jews. You support genocide. You're fucking disgusting. You support genocide you're a of my Nazi people. Bitch. By the way, my name is Arzo Mohammed. Come find me, fucking Nazis. are Palestinians, Okay, all of us Hamas.
1: Ma'am, there were children murdered, there were babies beheaded.
2: Oh. Babies beheaded, really. Please educate yourself. Well, please, please check the news. Okay. Because as as a news reporter, you gotta check the f- news because they said that that shit was fake, okay?
3: Oh Glory to the martyrs.
4: Glory to the martyrs. Do you know what you're saying? What you say? We will liberate the land.
3: There you go. We will liberate the land by any means necessary. We will liberate the land by any means necessary.
0: Glory. Glory to Hamas. So there's that first nice girl, Arzo. She looks like a potential summer hire. I mean, you could put her in the or maybe if Vivek wins, she could go intern at the White House. Since he, too, believes these people can they they ought to. Okay, well, good luck with that. I I look forward to your reeducation program and I hope you succeed. What do you think of it, Emily?
3: Well okay so the the broader problem here is that we have utter sophists in our university system especially at some of these elite colleges you have professors you know Judith Butler or some 20 years ago, maybe even less than 20 years ago, was talking about how it's important to understand Hamas and Hezbollah in the context of, uh, you know, struggles against oppression and colonialism everywhere. And that is not an isolated argument. Students have been uh, being sort of inundated with that kind of argumentation for decades on college campuses. But it's much worse now than it ever has been, because these sophists, these people who uh, are, are horrible at actual like academia, because the standards have been lowered in the names of Uh, the fake sort of cause of social justice for years and years, are the ones that are educating these kids. Now, that doesn't take the blame off of the kids. If you are uh, a Harvard student, honest to God, if you're an adult uh, in the United States uh, in 2023, and you look at what happened last week, loud and clear, again, Hamas live streaming some of this stuff, Hamas eagerly owning, embracing some of this stuff, and you are chanting uh, by any means necessary. They have hang gliders in a way, glory to the martyrs, which sometimes they say means civilians. uh, But I think when you're also talking about the hang gliders and by any means necessary, we know exactly what they were talking about. I don't care what you're Professors are telling you, I don't care what the media is telling you, if in the hours after a targeted slaughter, that's how you are talking, uh, you, you have problems that will not be fixed. Uh, just by maturing and getting even older, when you're already an adult human being, I mean it's just completely, completely, completely outrageous. And I think also uh, some of those crowds are being whipped into a frenzy um, by students whose families probably came here to escape violence in the Middle East, uh, Middle East, or to make better lives. Uh, voluntarily came here to the United States, um, and are just utterly. Uh, ungrateful for the freedoms uh, that the United States ha- has shed blood uh, to ensure for people who live here on our soil. I mean, it- it's a completely mi- in the West. It's just been a mind boggling week.
0: Here's what's crazy. All these student groups that have been speaking out, they're not backing down. You know, a couple of the Harvard kids were like, oh, I didn't mean to be part of that letter after Bill Ackman, uh, the hedge fund guy, was like, I want the names because I'm not going to hire them. And then a bunch of other CEOs said, I feel the same. Then they were like, huh, what? Oh, me, I didn't mean it. Because, you know, of course, they're just sad little wannabe rich kids who are pissed that their Goldman Sachs job may have just dried up. whoopsie. So, okay, fine. At least they've disavowed. But many of these people didn't disavow. And so as they've seen day after day, and by the way, the horrors and the atrocities were apparent on day one, day one. Um, But even giving them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they just saw a headline on day one. Now, here we are, what, day 10? Where's your withdrawal? Where's your, I'm very, very sorry for what I did. That was so dumb. My God, I stand with Israel. This is absolutely terrible. It's not happening. They stand by it because they really do believe that Israel is white supremacist, colonial, whatever. Uh, You know, you could go down the list of what they're saying and that it needs to be wiped off the face of the map. That's, they've been saying it over and over. These are Americans
3: in our country saying this shit. Report, and many report. of them claim their central yeah. frustration is that equal concern towards Palestinian civilians and children isn't being uh, shown in the media. Well, these are murders at a music festival in a kibbutz. And so if you want uh, to have the media, if you want Americans to show concern for Palestinian civilians, as we absolutely should, uh, on the other hand, you can't be chanting, we have hang gliders, glory to the martyrs, by any means necessary That's absurd and incoherent. And it just proves that uh, for some people, that argument is a total lie. Well, 100 percent agree. And here's the thing. Day after day, we
0: get more reports of the atrocities coming out of what happened in Israel. I mean, and it is dark. It's extremely dark. I mean, I love this woman up in Canada who we just showed is like, there, there, there's no rapes. Oh, there's no rapes. Really? Why don't you spend a minute? Like, just look at tablet magazine. Why don't you take, take two seconds to read the reports of how at that music festival, women got raped next to their friends, dead bodies. They would rape women. They would kill the women. Then they would rape somebody right next to the dead body of their friend. I guess she doesn't read past. I don't know her Hamas issue talking points. Um, here's another guy. I-24 News from Israel has been doing great reporting. This is emergency responder Yossi Landau describing what he saw at Kibbutz Bieri and Kibbutz Kfar Aza. Those are two of the main areas targeted with families. These are all families, including children. What he saw, his manner is very flat. He's got sort of a flat affect in all of this. And I, I wonder, this poor guy, whether it's what he has to do. But take a listen to what he says he saw, SOT nine.
5: When we go to the next house and we see, in the living room, to see two parents, father and mother, hand tied in the back. And in the other side, against them, the children, two small children, and each of them were torched. I saw 20 children together with the hand tied in the back, and they were burned the shot burned and
1: burned in piles 20 children shot and burned in a pile you'll see and, and two piles i saw bodies that i never saw in my life
5: 670 bodies
0: hmm, god and forgive me i th- I, th- I had him confused with another guy who we, we also watched a military guy who offered similar reports i eliana you don't you don't hear that and say my god let me put out a new statement. I am devastated by what has happened to these poor, innocent children. Then I have no use for you. None. None. I don't want to see. I I don't. I, if somebody else can hire these people if they want, but I'm not rooting for it. I don't want to see them do well. I don't. I'm I'm now rooting against them. The same way I'd be rooting against them if they cheered ISIS burning people in the cages. The same way I'd be trying to get keep them away from me and anything good if they cheered the beheading of Daniel Pearl it's that disgusting it's i have no quarter for these people either they're uninformed but i don't believe that i think they are following the news they just don't care they genuinely see israel as evil and as the as the original perpetrator of atrocities which is ignorant and blind. And why are they so blind? I believe it's because they hate Jews. There is a common strain in most of this commentary from the people we showed, and it is Jew hatred. That's putting a fine point on it,
4: but it's what I believe. Megan, you know, I do think that This has served as a clarifying moment um, about the state of our university campuses in this country. We've focused on the students and the student groups thus far, but it is worth taking a moment to reflect on what university presidents, university administrators, um, and other adults on these campuses have said because it is Uh, almost as shocking. The statements that have come out of the presidents of Harvard, president of Yale, um, administrators at Columbia have been mealy-mouthed morally backward. They've done um, almost everything they could to avoid um, the reality of the barbaric terrorism carried out against Israel. And um, at Harvard, stood by for as long as they could, uh, silent When those student groups came out and did what they did, um, it took them six days, I think, after those groups spoke out for Harvard to say a thing and to be shamed by former Harvard President Larry Summers um, about their silence. And for the past 10 or 15 years, um, they've created an environment where anybody with a dissenting opinion on campus is harassed. Uh, and heckled, and where there's very little intellectual freedom. So, in a way, um, it's hard to break. It's hard to blame these students. Um, this is what you get when you hire professors and you elevate university uh, administrators with a DEI bureaucracy, and you admit students um, without merit in mind. But as um, as, as a result, uh, filtering for all of these other things. This is what mm, you get. That's, and I, that's definitely what they see, did. You're starting to see uh, donors and uh, others push back, close their checkbooks and shame these people. Um, but I think it's, it's going to take another 10, 15, 20 years to reverse this um, if the outrage lasts.
0: The president of Harvard has just beclowned herself. I mean, she's just made an utter fool out of herself. Her name is Claudine Gay, and she whiffed it on the first statement. Then there was all blowback, as you point out, Lauren Summer, former uh, Dean of Harvard, ripped her. Then finally, she put out a second statement, which was almost no better. Then more and more controversy. Then finally, she puts out a third statement. And let me just, after years, years of Harvard punishing people for wrong think and wrong speak on these. Revered leftist issues, from BLM to transgender, you Google down the, down the list. It has finally discovered Summers the value of. He was bounced speech. for saying
4: boys might be yeah, better okay, at you know, men might be better at math. He was bounced out of his job from there. You know that was twenty years ago.
0: That's right. Actually, I forgot about that. Lauren Summers, the guy who criticized her, her her, who one of her predecessors was bounced for saying men might be better at math. We covered on this show Roland Fryer, Roland Fryer, who's a black professor at Harvard, I believe in the econ department, who was doing these reports, these these studies on. Um, well, there was one on quote acting white, controversial theory that explains the underperformance of some young black Americans, um, according to the idea that they risk being stigmatized by their peers for high academic achievement. In 2019, he was suspended for two years. They they blamed it on an allegation of sexual harassment, but the truth is he was doing controversial research that didn't line up with the BLM narrative, did not line up with the BLM narrative. And um, I mean, this has been completely debunked. There's an amazing documentary about what they did to Roland Fryer because he's a black man saying the wrong things. He's saying all the wrong things. They booted him off campus. On Harvard, 94% of students surveyed said they had self-censored in conversations with their peers 88% felt they could not express an opinion because of how others would respond. It's to the point where um, one of the professors there, Kit Parker, a bioengineering professor, said service members, meaning military service, feel hesitant to disclose their military status to their classmates because they're afraid that being military will be so condemned on this campus. The the president of that university, Claudine Gay, now, chooses now to say You know, free speech, we love opinions of all kinds, especially the recent ones, I'm sure is what she was telegraphing. Listen to her.
2: And our university embraces a commitment to free expression. That commitment extends even to views that many of us find objectionable, even outrageous. We do not punish or sanction people for expressing such views. But that is a far cry for endorsing them. It's in the exercise of our freedom to speak that we reveal our characters
0: and we reveal the character of our institution. So, I mean, sure. Great. She's she's the new Thomas Jefferson, Emily. She's all about the first. Let's go. Free speech. America. Yeah, she is just like Floyd Abrams getting up there to argue uh, about our free speech rights, let let it fly. Okay, here's what I want us to do: the three of us, let's go later this week or later this month when when Eliana gets her voice back, and let's organize a protest on campus in favor of the reality that women are women and only women can be women. We are the only women. That's it. That's the tweet, as the kids say. Let's let's go get a protest going on, on uh, Harvard about how Ibram X. Kendry was a complete fraud and so is the BLM movement. Yeah, BLM is a fraud. Claudine, come on, support my free speech rights. Let's do this. Let's let professors in class say that shit and see if they can get away with it.
3: She's a fraud. And this is rooted in the definition of hate speech that lumps in arguments that were previously non-controversial because they're obviously true about men and women being defined as hate speech, right? So if you were to go to Harvard and and have this, Eliana's got a bullhorn because her voice is back and she's chanting about men and women uh, in in college sports, that's going to be considered hate speech. It's going to be a much easier decision for Harvard to call that hate speech. And maybe this situation will change them for the future, because maybe they'll have realized that they, they, they screwed up their standards. And now to save face, they have to let people say these things on campus. But previously, you. Were actually i mean when i was a student i didn't want to do mandatory pronoun training and they like called me uh they said that i had committed an act of uh an act of like violence against the transgender community at my school uh that this was all some sort of like harassment campaign they tried to get my student group suspended it was like insane that was 2015 just for saying I didn't want to do mandatory pronoun training. Uh, So they have been doing this for years and years and years and years and years uh, in the other direction. And suddenly, when it's inconvenient for them to have a broad definition of hate speech, when people are talking about hang gliders, hang gliders that were used to massacre Jews, that's not hate speech when people are embracing uh, or, or suddenly we, we we have to have this broad definition of what is and what isn't allowed uh, but for the past 20 something years you know it's it's been very narrow that anything that isn't leftist is hate speech they have been the ones that have been leading that movement and it has been the movement that has torn the country apart and they have been the vanguard in that fight and that's by the way why you see these students saying things that are so, profoundly stupid. It's because they haven't been taught how to think. Granted, when things are as black and white as they were last week, it's still their fault. But in general, they sound so stupid because they've never been challenged. These ideas have just been allowed to metastasize in the shadows of public attention with taxpayer money, taxpayer subsidies for years and years and years, and they're utterly ridiculous and they've never been challenged. And that's why they're so incoherent and stupid at the end of the day. And by the way, I've I've hear from like a dozen conservative students a year who are afraid to write that men and women are different or about the Second Amendment or anything for their campus newspaper because their career will be ruined. They Think down the road, and now this happens one time, and we're all supposed to, you know, throw up our hands and have sympathy. It's just so stupid.
0: Well, I will say on that on this issue, you know, I, I hate to say it this way, but it just it really captures what it is: Jew hatred, anti Semitism. I don't think you get that from your college professor. I don't. I think you go into college with it. I think you were more than likely raised with it, and it's a chicken egg scenario. Did you? Become this way because you met this professor or did you go to that professor because you shared the same ideology and you wanted to hear him or her say all the terrible things about the Zionists, right? I mean, Barry Weiss's story is a good one. She went to Colombia. She sat there as this obviously rabid anti-Semite was saying stuff about Israelis. It was super focused on Israel and the, the Zionist regime, And she challenged him. She was like, this is bullshit. Obviously, she is Jewish, and she's been very outspoken on these issues. And she was shamed by some for doing that. Now, this person, the same professor, is outing themselves, saying more controversial stuff. I'll get to it in a minute. But I'm just saying this, he couldn't turn Barry, right? That people who show up with an open, loving heart toward Jewish people cannot be turned by one of these radical professors, at least most Cannot. I believe most of these people arrive there because Jew hatred is a thing. It's a thing, sadly, in this country. And in the same way that we were told wrongly by BLM for the past three years that racists are lurking everywhere and they're not. The the failure to point out that anti-Semitism appears to be near ubiquitous in this
3: country was a failure because it is and lurking in BLM and the right was right out in the open when it came to a lot of the BLM activists as well. We had Tamika Mallory, who was the leader of the Women's March, who had previously praised rabid anti-Semite Louis Farrakhan. I mean, th- this is like not brand new at all. Um, and I think it also goes hand in hand with America hatred, which is absolutely something that our culture has been been teaching people for a long time. And when you fuse those two ideologies, it's very, very dark. Yeah, you're exactly right. We pl- played, I think it was on Friday, Patrice Cullors, one of the BLM founders,
0: saying explicitly she wanted Israel wiped off the map, like Israel had to go. Uh, so, I mean, it's—and ne- never mind the, you know, BLM Chicago chapter tweeting out the hand gliders and celebrating the victory of these Hamas terrorists, not disowned, not even disavowed by BLM na- uh, National. So we're seeing a pattern. Stand by. Quick break. More with the EJs in two minutes. Welcome back to The Megan Kelly Show. My guests today, the EJs, Emily Jashinsky and Eliana Johnson. So we'll spend some more time on the media in a bit, but I do want to uh, give a hat tip to Anderson Cooper at CNN, who, I guess, tip of the hat, I should say, um, who, who's over there and provided just an absolutely chilling account of what he found uh, reporting from Israel. He posted it on Saturday. Here's a bit of it. It's about a minute long.
5: From some cars, the IDF has retrieved dash cam videos that show Hamas gunmen roaming the site for hours, shooting freely. This one shows a bloodied hostage being led away, then under the car you can see another man hiding. He moves slightly, then stops. A gunman runs right up to him and shoots him point blank in the head or upper body. This is dash cam video of a Hamas gunman tossing a grenade into a shelter. When a man runs out trying to escape, they fire on him repeatedly. In another shelter a few miles north of the festival site, about 30 people tried to hide. A man named Noam Cohen recorded inside. We aren't going to show you what happened next. Cohen says Hamas gunmen repeatedly tossed grenades into the shelter. People inside were blown apart. It's one of the most gruesome videos we've ever seen. This is some of the aftermath. Nome Cohen survived hiding under body parts. We found the shelter in the town of Alameen yesterday evening. Someone had put a curtain up over the doorway, but nothing could hide the smell as you enter. My cameraman, Neil Halsworth, who's experienced a lot of war, began to retch and had to step outside. There's... Bloody handprints on the wall. There's blood smeared on the walls.
0: I mean, just gut-wrenching, gut-wrenching. And those reports of families going down to their bomb shelters, virtually all of these homes had them. What does that tell you? Um, Only to be smoked out by fires. Hamas was setting then fire to their homes and firsthand texting to family members saying they're smothering us. The family with two, three kids, three little kids was texting. This has all been documented. They're, they're smothering us. We can't breathe. And so what do you do? You, do, you, do you choose to die from the smoke inhalation and f- burn to death? Or do you choose to run out and be shot? This particular family chose to run out and they were all shot. They were shot to death. I just... I'm so disturbed, Eliana. I'm so disturbed by the fact that we in this country aren't unified on these horrors. I get terrorists that we've had enough exposure to them over the past 20 years. I get, I don't get us. What's happening to us?
4: As I said before, Megan, I think a lot of it does go back to the rot in our educational system, um, because we're putting out adults into the world who are educated by people who can't put out a statement that has any moral clarity about these events. And um, you get get what you educate. Um, These are the adults that are premier educational institutions in this country. Um, And also, look at some of the lawmakers in Congress. and it is worth saying, I think, that going back to going back to 9-11, when there was a direct attack on, on the, this country. Um, there were lawmakers who voted against going to war, a um, handful of them. We've always had those voices. Uh, we've always had those dissident voices in our country. But what really strikes me, and this goes back a bit to um, our previous segment on the universities, is we see university leaders and leaders elsewhere Every time there's anti Semitism um, expressed on university campuses, they call for free speech. Um, of course, there was no, you know, during the Black Lives Matter movement, there was no free speech for racist views. We never heard calls for free speech then. But anytime there's um, virulent anti Semitism expressed, um, then you hear them cry for free speech. What's striking to me, though, is they never tell you what they think. They, of course, are free to express their own views the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, what does she think about these acts? President of the University of Pennsylvania, the president of Yale, what do they personally think? They're free to tell their students and show some goddamn leadership. What do they think personally? Um, Nobody's calling for the silencing of these dissident voices on campuses. Those idiot students are free to put out their own views. Um, Nobody's calling for them to to shut up. What do do the leaders at these schools think? Show some leadership. That's, That's exactly right.
0: I'm I'm thrilled they're they're going out and showing their their beliefs. Thrilled. I would never shut that down. I didn't believe in shutting down. I, I also think like the kneeling at the games, I'm not for it. But great. Show us who you are. Let me see exactly which of you gets on the knee because you don't stand for America. Good to know. Good to know. That's one of the beauties of living in this country is that you're allowed to do that stuff. And then we're allowed to change our opinions of you. We are. Um, I don't know, because it's not just students. You know, it's We're seeing sort of this coalition amongst like the squad and then another piece of the coalition on, I don't know what faction of the right it is. Is it some smaller faction of the populist, right? Because it's not all populist, you know, right? Trump is tweeting out pro-Israel statements, but kind of joining together on this messaging. And that's, I'm going to leave that in the air, Emily Jashinsky, as I take a quick break and come back to you on it. Stand by. Welcome back to The Megan Kelly Show. My guest today, Emily Jashinsky culture editor at The Federalist and host of The Federalist Radio Hour, and Eliana Johnson, who is fighting through her raspy voice for us. She's editor-in-chief of the Washington Free Beacon and co-host of the podcast Ink Stained Wretches. <clears throat> All right, ladies. So just to continue the reaction here at home, and just, ha- I mean, to me, I, it's been shocking. As I see people who I really previously respected, or at least kind of respected, take incredibly insane positions. Now, this particular woman is on the left, but I always thought was a voice of relative reason on the left. Bernie Sanders supporter. That's fine. I don't care. Crystal Ball was a Bernie Sanders supporter, too. I've always liked her. We have political differences, but I I think she's got sane views. This woman is Brianna Joy Gray. She's been on this program before. And she tweeted out And then I'll play you um, a clip in response to Anthony Blinken, the secretary of state, saying what separates Israel, the U.S. and other democracies when it comes to difficult situations um, like this is our respect for international law and the laws of war and adding that Hamas uses people as human shields. That is all true. One hundred percent true. And you don't have to believe me. I actually pulled it just for kicks. Um, NATO. 2019 NATO report: The practice of using human shields is common to most violent extremists operating in the Gaza Strip, and they go on to provide the details, including they they uh, they've noted that um, even in this conflict, Hamas has called for Gaza residents to remain in the crossfire. They they like civilian casualties. They want it. They they use them for propaganda. They use the civilians as human shields so that the Israelis won't bomb uh, their military targets. That's why they have their headquarters underneath a hospital. So just. Anthony, Anthony Blinken's correct. That is what Hamas does. And we are different. We don't do that. And neither does Israel. Her response was the decapitated baby lie, the lies about rape. What, what lie is that, Rihanna? Because I've seen for myself, at least one picture of a baby lying in its crib, surrounded by blood, including around the neck. So do we actually need to see the head separated from the body? What would satisfy you? What what would make you see that babies—and do we really care? Do we care if it had its head chopped off or if it was burned or if it was shot? Walk me through what would persuade you, Brianna, that we've got a real problem on our hands with these Hamas terrorists. Is it—what what do they need to do to the baby? What kind of motion picture would you like to see to make you actually believe that these are actual terrorists? But anyway, the decapitated baby lie, the lies about rape—I guess Tablet has been completely wrong. The women didn't get raped— Next to the dead bodies of their friends. Brianna knows better than the reporters who were there talking to those who survived the massacre. 260 were dead, but on the ground reporters went and actually asked the people what happened. But Brianna sitting at her desk, she knows better, you see, because she went to Harvard Law School. She's educated. She's one of the elite. So she sees through the nonsense, gals. She sees the lie. Uh, It was all to establish some moral distinction, Between the piles of bodies killed by Israel and the pile of bodies killed by Hamas. Neither Hamas nor Israel respects international law. But this is the shell game played to justify continued US support of ethnic cleansing. So the US is supporting Israel's ethnic cleansing of Palestine where the population has, what, I don't triple some, some huge number over the past some 40 years. Never mind when Israel you turned over the entire region to Gaza or to Hamas. Ultimately, in any event, the Palestinian numbers have gone up, not down. So they're terrible ethnic cleansers. The Israels, they suck at it, the Israelis. This is her take. Okay, it's all, we want to ethnically cleanse the Palestinians, and therefore we're making up lies about the dead babies and the rapes lies that Anderson Cooper video lies. He's in on it. It's like Alex Jones with his Anderson Cooper in front of the green screen. I saw he made up Sandy hook. He was part of it. Sure. Yes. Brianna, you are officially in Alex Jones territory. Welcome to the insane, bizarre parade. Here she is. She hosts what used to be crystal and saga show on rising. Emily, you go, you're on this. Um, And she had this crazy exchange with Robbie Suave, who's more there. She's sort of she's been sort of left but reasonable. And he's been like, right. But like, no one's extreme. Not this day in a very, very heated exchange that kind of stemmed off of similar allegations by her. Watch.
2: There is still this embellishment and I believe it is rooted in a desire to strip humanity from the people of Palestine and justify doing what Max Miller and a number of other officials in the Israeli yeah. government have said. Max which is Miller is Latin. an obscure
0: Republican official, it does not matter what he says. So
2: every leftist, wait a minute Robbie, every leftist in America was asked to apologize for some random protest. They should apologize, they should apologize for their endorsement of terrorist attacks on innocent Israeli civilians just as I am outraged
0: by the retaliatory actions that are killing innocent Palestinian children everywhere. I. Care about both of these things, and have said I care about both of these things over and over again. It is you and the idiotic leftist terrorist sympathizing people who do not care about the dead Israelis.
2: They don't. So I'm a terrorist. And they've said it over and over again. Black Lives Matter has said it. The Harvard students have
0: said it. The DSA in various locations have said it. The left endorses what Hamas did. They do. They endorse it.
2: The Harvard newspaper said exactly what the editorial page of Israel's major newspapers. I don't give a f, Brianna. OK, well, that's clear that that's your opinion. But the Israeli voices in Israel who are getting killed because their fascist right wing government decides to keep two. The Israelis are getting people. killed
0: because a terrorist group targeted them. Mm. Uh, Emily, this is you used to work there. Now you're now you help Crystal and Sagar on their independent venture, but they're not normally quite that fiery. This issue has really divided people. And I have to say what she's saying is absolutely outrageous to me. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous to me. What sane person questions? Oh, the decapitated baby lie, the rape lie. What the hell does she know? She she's suggesting women. De- How does she know anything? That's just absolute. That's Holocaust denialism. That's what that is.
3: I like. And if that exchange, if I were involved in that exchange, how I would have responded is, is actually that heretz she, is what she was referring to, the Israeli newspaper that allegedly said the same thing as the Harvard statement. Uh, I think that there was a huge distinction between those two statements. One, first of all, is coming from an Israeli paper that obviously has been covering uh, at the time of that editorial, all kinds of stuff. And it kind of goes without saying that they you know, condemn the slaughter of Jews uh, on the other other hand, also, the Harvard statement said that Israel was entirely to blame. We saw that in a lot of the statements, entirely to blame. And so I think, and I have actually been thinking about this a lot as I've listened to some of these arguments over the last week, there's this very visceral, anger frustration uh rage among some people on the left about the way Western media oftentimes and, and western media has a whole lot of problems and I, I think we all agree with that um we'll take like that i-24 report which i believe said that there were 40 beheaded babies at kafaraza and uh you know because that number might not be exactly accurate we saw this sort of eruption of that visceral frustration a lot of people on the American left have with Western media uh, because they just think all of the Palestinians get ignored and they're the ones that are suffering under the oppression of colonialism, et cetera, et cetera. I completely disagree with the history there. Um, I think that's where it comes from. And I think it was really, really, really unfortunate to see a lot of that on display last week in the aftermath of the slaughter of innocence to, to do that within a few days. I mean, I get that there are serious concerns, but Hamas is bragging about using civilians as human shields. They are right now telling people not to evacuate, uh, saying things like you have two options or we have two options as the Palestinian people to fight or to die in our homes. That is the kind of language that treats civilians as martyrs, not as people who should be trying to find safe passage to Egypt or or other ways to evacuate, which the community is, the global community is actually working on, um, but to tell people to die in their homes, that is using civilians as human shields, that is not evacuating civilians in a way that ensures they will be mudd- muddled together with the military population in Gaza, knowing that Israel is going to retaliate because hundreds, more than a, a thousand of their people were slaughtered in cold blood, um, you know, ambushed at their homes at a music festival. These two things are not the same and they're not justified, even if you believe that there were decades of uh, colonial oppression. Um, So I think to do anything but to blame Hamas uh, for the situation that it's putting its own civilians in, uh, in the context of this last week, is really, really wrong. I
0: mean, the fact like it's so just dishonest, Eliana, to say these are lies told by the media. You know, they're trying to tell they're trying to suggest Hamas did evil things to draw a moral distinction between the evil Hamas and Israel. That's what she's saying in this tweet. She says these lies were to establish a moral distinction between the pile of bodies from Israel and those from Hamas. There is a moral distinction. There is a moral distinction between Hamas and Israel, whether she wants to see it or not. And she can delude herself all she wants based on how many babies were decapitated. Was it 40? Was it four? Was it one? Versus And ignore all the evidence. Did you see the did you see the picture from Netanyahu of the burned babies? Are you one of the loonies, Brianna, who decided to do a little A.I. investigation on the picture like Tim Pool, only to later find out, oh, whoops, I embarrassed myself. It's real. How about the one of the dead stabbed shot? Couldn't tell because they blurred it. Uh, Baby in its crib. How about the bloody other crib that they tweeted out? How about the many bloody playrooms that they tweeted out. How about the Anderson Cooper? Like to run with it's a lie, right? And it's meant to like manipulate you into thinking Hamas is evil, unfairly, Eliana. It truly is Alex Jones territory. Like you really are, you've gone off the deep end. You need to be reeled in. And I don't know in her case what the motivation is, whether it's an anti-Semitism thing, what it is, but it's disgusting because the evidence is overwhelming that Hamas is murdering children and the elderly and the disabled. And if you don't believe that, why don't you believe Hamas's own videos where they have little babies hostage right now? What is that? Is that okay? Did the Israelis do that, Brianna? Is that cool with the international rules of war? It's a no. Show me the international rules of war that Israel has broken. Uh, they, They try not to kill civilians. They attack military targets. They drop a warning bomb let on the buildings that they're about to bomb to let the people know the real bomb is coming. Get out. They drop. They send text messages to the Palestinians saying a bomb is coming. Evacuate now. My God, she's right. Like they're they're, she's she's wrong to say that there's no moral distinction between these two. There's a world of moral distinction between the two.
4: Well, I actually think this is a really sinister Um, mode of argumentation that you're seeing, not just from her, but there was a Los Angeles Times reporter who also seized on this um, fact on Twitter. Um, And it is um, to seize on a detail and saying this hasn't been proven. And the effect or the intended effect is to make others question um, the reality in front of them. Um, Well, if babies weren't beheaded, how can we know if all of these other things are true? Um, the the intended effect is to say, did these events really happen? Question what you're being told from the the press. Question the pictures that you're seeing. Question the videos that are being putting that are being put out. Question the reality. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Hamas intentionally broadcast footage. Um, and I'd be happy to get in an argument about um, were the babies beheaded or. Were they merely shot in their cribs? Were there eleven bloody handprints, or were there twenty? Um, because that's the path they're going to go down, um, and I don't think it's actually a winning argument for that. Um, in terms of the moral, in terms of the moral high ground, um, of course, that's the um, that's the battle they're engaged in. Um, but it, it's um, it's lunacy. It's like saying that. Um, when the United States was attacked on Pearl Harbor, uh, the United States did not have the moral high ground and the, and Germany also declared war on the U.S. The United States did not have the moral high ground. By the way, the U.S. made no distinction um, when it retaliated against Germany and Japan between uh, members of the Nazi party and um, and civilians. Um, war is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. Um, and but in this case, Uh, There's only one party to blame for starting a war.
0: And we know that. So it's not just Brianna Joy Gray, who, listen, I have no personal animus against her. I have known her to be a very pleasant person. Um, I just think this position is absolute insanity. It's absolute insanity. Um, And no surprise, we saw some of it over on The View, where Sonny Hostin pretended to be an expert on international war crimes. And- declared Israel guilty. And, you know, you can imagine, I believe Joy Behar is Jewish. Um, The reaction from some of her Jewish colleagues and non-Jewish colleagues, I'm Catholic. I can see it very clearly. Um, By the way, just as an aside, these lunatics on Twitter over the weekend were tweeting out videos of Ben Shapiro years ago on Joe Rogan saying he doesn't believe Jesus was Christ. (laughs) We know He's Jewish. <laughs> oh my God. This is a, Wait a second to get Christians riled up against Ben Shapiro. Guess what? He thinks Jew is that, that, that Jesus was just a man. We're aware and we don't give a shit.
3: <laughs> Whoa. This is I mean, I'm gonna have to talk to Ben. <laughs> unlike those who are radical
0: Islamists, we in the Christian world and most of this same world, no matter what your religion, don't give a damn if you don't practice our religion. <laughs> We don't care. We don't care if you don't agree with all the things we agree with. In any event, um, here's Sonny Hostin over on The View accusing Israel of war crimes.
3: I think that we all know that Hamas has been designated uh, a terror organization, like the Proud Boys here in the United States. That there is an international human rights body of law, and when you look at that law, part of it is retaliation against innocent civilians collectively is also terror and is also a war crime. What
2: Israel is saying consistently is, if you want your water, if you want your electricity, release our hostages. In my view, that's 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 not an irrational question.
3: And they should, but in the process, they should really refrain from committing war crimes or
5: terror because
3: they're gonna lose the goodwill of
0: the
4: people I do think it's very important, though.
0: Okay. They're not committing war crimes. The the ones committing war crimes are Hamas. Again, you the use of human shields is a war crime. The use of human shields is a war crime. That is Hamas's bread and butter. That's exactly what they do. That's why they have in part those Israeli babies around them. They don't want Israel to bomb them, and therefore they've surrounded themselves with Israel's citizens, some 199 of them, and some untold number of Americans, too, we believe. Um, Okay, this guy, Thomas Wheatley, very interesting piece in USA Today. He's an assistant professor in the Department of Law at West Point. He wrote a long piece today that was actually great, citing Article 27 of the Hague Convention noting it places important limitations on siege warfare, demanding that those under attack take all, well, no, that those doing the attack take all necessary steps to spare, as far as possible, uh, edifices devoted to religion, art, science, charity, hospitals, and places where the sick and wounded are collected, provided they are not used at the same time for military purposes. Well, that's what Hamas, Hamas puts his military headquarters under a hospital because it knows you're not supposed to bomb hospitals. But... Uh, there's actually an exception there saying um, it's it, it replaces requirements on the, the entity being besieged, requiring it to identify all such places by some particular invisible signs, which should be uh, previously notified to the assailants. And they say that this prohibition doesn't even apply if that location is being used at the same time for, for military purposes. So Israel 's well within its rights to bomb the hospital. If, if Hamas headquarters is underneath it. It's not nice, but it's not a war crime, okay? And I, I mean, I don't even know if we're talking about nice at this point. Its babies were murdered on uh, uh Then on the issue of starvation, this is what people like Sunny and others are arguing, that the Israelis are starving the Palestinians because they've shut off water and they've shut off the food supply going into Gaza. Has anybody else opened it up? Has Egypt been dropping supplies by helicopter? I, I wait, I await their intervention. Why does Israel have to save the people who are murdering its babies and its elderly? I'll wait. Um, Okay, even the United States recognizes it is permissible. It is permissible to seek to starve enemy forces into submission, even if it means incidentally starving civilians, as long as the incidental starvation is not excessive in retaliation to the military advantage anticipated to be gained. I don't like this. I don't like this any more than anybody else does. But Israel was placed in this position by the Hamas terrorists who run Gaza, not the other way around. It doesn't want to be doing this, but what obligation does it have to feed the military attacking it? Would we make sure that the Nazis were fed when we were fighting them? I mean, Israel has no obligation to continue water or food supplies going into Gaza, which is ground zero of the potential Israeli destruction, which was begun last Saturday. Um, Who wants to take that one?
3: Well, I'll just say, and yet they will. Uh, You know, they've come to an agreement with us, for example, uh, already when it comes to things like water. Uh, It never in the course of of human history is this kind of warfare something that we demand. It, it, It is just completely historically bizarre. And it's also kind of interesting because it seeds in a way, the moral high ground here to Israel. If you're saying, you know, we believe this uh, Western small L liberal uh, concept of war, you know, for instance, there have been esoteric debates about whether settlements uh, violate the Geneva Convention going back years and years and years. Uh, But if you're seeding the moral high ground to, for instance, the Geneva Convention, if you're seeding the moral high ground to Israel and the Western you <laughs> democracies that back it and saying they should hold themselves to these standards, et cetera, et cetera, that they do try to hold themselves to. And I would never argue that Israel is absolutely perfect. Um, But perfect is not the same thing as having the moral high ground, of course. And you know, when you're attacked like this and you're engaging in war, the concept of war in 2023 that we are demanding of Israel, uh, especially when everything is on, on social media and you can see the civilian suffering up close and personal. It is awful. It is agonizing. Um, It it, it touches people around the world in ways that war never has. I mean, TV was, Vietnam was in the era of TV. Uh, The world wars were in the era of radio, and that was bringing this into people's living rooms in new ways. We're seeing something similar right now. We saw something similar with the Arab Spring, but this is war. And yes, if you you are the people who are telling uh, the others to evacuate To evacuate, you have the moral high ground over the group that is telling people to stay and die as martyrs in their homes. That's the thing. I mean, you know, Eliana, it's
0: both like, okay, you're very worried about war crimes. What about Hamas's war crimes? What about that? What about the fact that they are right now using Israeli citizens and their own citizens as human shields? That I mean, all bets are off at this point. You could make the argument that Israel should should go for it. I mean, that they're entitled to commit whatever they want, since that's the entirety of the Hamas war plan against Israel. Every little thing they've done, every serious thing they've done has been a war crime. The invasion into Israel, the targeting of all civilians. the entire invasion was about killing civilians, innocents who had nothing to do with this, babies in their cribs. Israel at this point could absolutely make the moral and legal argument that it's entitled to do what it wants. But even what it's doing now is measured and thought out. And is not a war crime, but that's what you hear from the left. Okay. And then there's, well, we need proportionality. You need proportionality. You know, you've got to count up the number of dead, 1,400 of Israelis, and you can't exceed that number on the Palestinian side. Or what? What does proportionality look like? Do, we, do the Israelis have to go in and start killing babies in their crib, but only a certain number in Palestine or in, in Gaza? Or might it be better to just to bomb buildings that they've given an advance notice that they're going to bomb because they think military headquarters are there, right? And Victor Davis Hanson also said, and I wrote it down because it's such a good quote, and he's a military expert, just in case people don't know this about Victor. He's brilliant on everything, but he's a true military expert. He studied every big battle, every big war. He knows exactly how they were won and lost. And he said, what is disproportionality? Can anyone show me the war that was ended by proportionate response? I can't think of a thing. It's exactly right. Who says I'm going to do just enough, but not too much? To defeat my enemy, Eliana. This is absurd. These are standards only for
4: Israel. The the immediate thing that came to thought while you were talking, Megan, was that I think um, the most prominent expression of anti-Semitism in our culture and in the world is the holding of Israel and Israelis and Jews um, to standards to which no other nation, no other people are held. Um, and that is true with regards to so-called human rights, to these so-called war crimes. Um, we don't see outcry about um, actions committed by any other nation across the world. Um, it is only Israel that is held to such standards. There's only outcry um, by nations of the world when it is Israel that commits them. and um, And there's only debate about whether the Jewish people, among all peoples, should have a nation. Um, there's no debate about whether China should exist. There's no debate about whether Poland should exist. Uh, there's only debate about whether Israel to exist. Um, and that in itself, I think, is the ultimate expression of anti-Semitism uh, in our time. The, to the attempt
0: to for the Jewish people. That's right. And now, you know, you get, again, Hamas is the one committing the war crimes, but the focus has got to be on Israel now in the same way that now you have MSNBC running a death toll graphic that is joint. It's joint. They're not distinguishing um, between the Israelis and those killed in Gaza. Uh, They just want to sort of say, my God, see how many people have died. It needs to end. That's why they're doing it together. See, it needs to end. This is terrible. Look how many people have died. This is an atrocity. Over there, just like the rest of MSNBC's uh, coverage, which includes Ali Velshi, this Ayman Moy Heldon. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. I've seen him in the past, I don't know him. Um, But I'll just give you a flavor for their reporting on this. Here's Ali Velshi.
5: We've had a lot of statements from Americans, mostly Republicans this morning, but some Democrats who um, it, it's a bit boilerplate. There's no nuance or recognition of anything
1: mm-hmm. that has been going on. Lots of Palestinians have said to me, boy, would they wish that those same Israelis
5: who were out there protesting the so-called judicial reforms would be protesting Israel's inhumane treatment of the uh, Palestinians who live under Israeli occupation.
0: Oh, my God. OK. Before I move on, just let me get Ayman's quote in, and then we can talk about both of them. SOT25.
5: But Hamas is saying, well, if nobody is able to defend what is happening for Palestinians in the West Bank or in East Jerusalem with the home demolitions, the arrests, the children being killed, the desecration of holy sites. If they're unable to do that, then we only have the ability to do it with military might and crude weapons and military. What we're seeing today are very deadly consequences of failed policies Failure on the American administration's part to change yep. ours to take a different course of action with how it deals with the Palestinians and the Israelis. Failure on Israel's part. Failure on the region's part to not be able to say this is an issue that matters.
0: OK, got it, Emily. It's our fault and it's the Israelis fault. And when he gets to the part where you should say it's Hamas's fault, he says it's the region's, <laughs> the region's fault. That's who's to blame. And Hamas really was just kind of forced To go military here because of all the the strife that it has suffered, poor Hamas in Gaza. That's just not factual. That is absolute Hamas propaganda.
3: I think a lot of people remember in the years after 9-11, but also, I mean, and this is where the point really comes in, the days after 9-11, people were not at that point saying, you know, most people were not certainly not on cable news, at least that I remember, although I was very young, having conversations about the United States and the Mujahideen in Afghanistan and Al Qaeda, Osama bin Laden during the Cold War that came later. And it's an entirely reasonable conversation to have about American Cold War policy radicalizing uh, people like Osama bin Laden or contributing to the radicalization in areas like that, to the Mujahideen, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I think these conversations are entirely reasonable, I bitterly disagree with what both of them just said and actually Ali Valshi took the opportunity in the days after Israel again suffered mass targeted slaughter. Uh, to talk about to smear Israel falsely as an apartheid state uh, on the waves on the airwaves of MSNBC and there's been some reporting that MSNBC has not wanted to have all of these people forward facing in the days after because of this and it you know if you watch CNN Dana Bash has been fairly pro Israel uh, Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC has been fairly promis- pro Israel like some of the media is really polarized on this i think MSNBC should put these guys out in the air uh, as much as they possibly can so that uh, the arguments can be exposed for the weaknesses that they are based upon uh, is the same thing with the college students. I mean, now there's a, a question of whether a private company, a media company like MSNBC wants to be associated with that for public relations reasons. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I think by all means that they, they should have these conversations. Um, I think that's why Rising is great, by the way, so that Robbie and Brie can yell at each other. You can see Robbie's sort of righteous indignation in that moment. You can hear the arguments be fleshed out because that is a very, very weak argument argument uh, in the days you're bringing, you know, pretty, pretty weak argumentation to the table within days. Um, And it's the the last thing I wanted to say was that death counter on MSNBC. That's actually really interesting because I am completely 100% fine with doing that if and only if they are saying that it was the fault of Hamas, that all of these civilian yeah, casualties same. are the fault of Hamas because they 1000 percent are the fault of Hamas. So if they're going to do that, fine. Uh, but they're not, as the clips just showed.
0: That's exactly right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't want to silence the voices. I'm just not going to hire them. And it's not my cup of tea. I I wouldn't be caught dead watching that show. Right. That, I mean, it was good when like Crystal, I watched a little, no, I wouldn't be got dead watching. that. It's not inform- informative and I don't think it's, well, whatever. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I've been shocked at how many people who I previously respected have added themselves as either know-nothings or anti-Semites since last Saturday. I really have. Um, I don't feel the need to go down all the names because some of them I'm just like kind of wounded by in my heart. Um and some of them considered consider friends and I'm really kind of wrestling with what they've done. Like, a, I guess it's like a seething anti-Semitism that I didn't know was there. Um, I don't know how my Jewish friends are dealing with this. I really don't. I just feel like I've heard from so many of my Jewish friends and my Jewish audience members who are like reeling. They're reeling right now because they've had this horrible, horrible thing happen to Israel. And in the wake of it, they have so many in their own country just brushing it off, it's like, oh yeah, Hamas had to go military. They had to go military, uh, you know, because of the the failures of Israeli policy in the Middle East. Eliana, can you imagine? Imagine yourself an MSNBC watcher, you know, a leftist who who consumes news because you're woke and you're like, okay. I mean, some Jewish people might fall into that category, and then you see these reporters who you trusted saying that shit on the air, completely dismissing, you know, the worst days of killing. Of Jews since the Holocaust, like it's oh, you know, they had to go military. What
4: else were they supposed to do? In many ways, we shouldn't be surprised because we hear that sort, those sorts of excuses made for lots and lots of things and lots of lots of people. Um, whether it's a resort to crime and violence um, by others in our own country, but one of the things that I think is somewhat surprising and ignorant is that you know Hamas has a charter. was founded in 1987. Um, Ideology plays a big role in the Hamas charter and yet gets no mention um, by Eamon moy or Ali Velshi on MSNBC. Um, And it does in many ways, I think, strip these Hamas Hamas fighters of agency in ways that they uh, would not want to be. Um, These guys are animated by strong beliefs and a strong ideology, the charter calls for the destruction of Israel and for Muslims to confront murder all Jews. Um, and I think it is, it is a mistake uh, not to talk about the animating ideology of this terrorist group. Uh, we've seen this movie before. Um, we saw it come to our own country uh, with Al-Qaeda on uh, 9-11. Um, and we should pay attention to what these guys are saying. Um, It's it's absurd to talk about this merely as a reactive force and an outgrowth um, and a response to our own actions and Israel's actions. Um, These guys have real beliefs uh, and they're animated by it. We should we should pay attention. The the
0: Hamas charter also says we don't believe in peace negotiations, no peace negotiations. (laughs) Okay, so that explains the guys with the babies at the top of the show. then, Then it's not to negotiate a peace. And that's the other thing. All these people saying that Israel needs to, you know, negotiate, maybe now's the time, two-state solution, which Hamas has no interest in. They don't want two states. They want one, from the river to the sea, only Palestine, no Israel. Um, They're not interested, right? Like, there's not going to be negotiations because that's not what Hamas wants. Israel didn't attack Hamas. Israel tried to let Hamas and the Palestinians live peacefully when they handed over Gaza to to the Palestinians in 2005. You have it. You have the most beautiful land. You've got even more beautiful land. Look at you right on the water. You can do whatever you want with it. And they they elected terrorists. And things went downhill ever since. They've been bombing Israel. They've been driving their own citizens of any opportunity to live a full and robust life. And now the consequences of all of this have led to death, despair, dismay, and a never-ending Jew hatred, which, you know, just ask any Palestinian child on the street, they're they're taught to hate Jews. And that is true for most Palestinians and not just Hamas members. I mean, that is something that's being taught over there. It's not to condemn all of them, but with a fair amount
4: of this group, children's textbooks, you know, they are taught that Jews are uh, cows and pigs and subhuman. And in that sense, the children um, in Gaza really are the victims because their minds are poisoned. They're taught hatred uh, they are taught anti-Semitism from the moment they're born. Um, this is what they learn in school. There are summer camps that teach them to be terrorists, that put guns on them. Um, uh, this ideology uh, colors the whole culture. These are the guys, you know, these, this is the elected government since 2006. Um, these, are the, these, these are the folks who are in charge there, um, running it in the same way that the Taliban ran Afghanistan. Um, these guys have had an autocratic, theocratic government in Gaza. It's medieval as
3: I mean, it's a medieval you know, ideology. And you see that with their concept of martyrdom, too. It's it's back
0: to there's there's one rule for Israel and there's a different rule for everyone else in no other war are they saying it needs to be proportionate response, proportionate, right? Like, make sure it's perfectly proportionate in, in no other war. Are they saying you have to deescalate the moment of the attack? Did they say that to Ukraine the day that Russia invaded, you know, in the week after Russia has to make sure it deescalate? proportionate. No. And even now to look at uh, Israel and say, you got to turn on, back on the water. You got to resupply the food to your enemies. You have to do that right now. Really? Without pressuring Egypt or any of the neighbors to try to help. No, just just Israel has to help the one attacking it. Uh, we would never say that to anybody else. And by the way, those same demands are not coupled with any realization that Israel has said it will if Hamas releases, releases its hostages. They said, give us back our, da- our babies. Give us back our women. Give us back our men. Give us back our civilians. You can have water tomorrow. You can have the food back tomorrow. No one mentions that, that Hamas, A, caused this, and B, has a hand in what happens next, short of full surrender. Release the hostages. And they won't. It conveniently gets omitted as yet another thing Hamas has done in holding its own fate in its own hands And it's responsible for its own behaviors and the consequences of them. Stand by. We're going to do some politics next. Welcome back to The Megyn Kelly Show. Emily Jashinsky and Eliana Johnson are back with me, the EJs. So let's talk about the politics of all this. Um, Last week, Trump made headlines for calling Hezbollah smart, which I have to say I gave him a pass on because if you look at the full context, he was like, they're smart. They're going to know how to, you know, work this to their advantage. He wasn't like, Hezbollah is so smart. I wish we could be just like them. So I just I just feel like, OK, you know, I, I get it. I, I, I take his point there. But then he did attack Bibi Netanyahu at a time when he should not have been attacked. It just, you know, he attacked him politically. It wasn't the most vicious version of Trump. He could have gone a lot harder, but he did. He did attack him uh, and blamed him for not helping more in the assassination of uh, Soleimani which Israel did help us, apparently. He They gave us intelligence about where the guy was. And just according to Trump, the night before the attack, Israel didn't want to actually join in the military exercise. That seems to be what Trump was saying. Uh, in any event, the point is, just don't attack Bibi Netanyahu this week, okay? Any other time, but not this week. But since then, Trump has uh, been standing, tweeting out, truthing out, like, hashtag, I stand with Israel, um, slogans, things like that. He's trying to make sure that he's on the side of the Israelis. I'm trying to find the exact... Truth social that he sent out so people can see his words. My team knows where those are. Tell me because I don't know. Okay, I find them. Um, Do we have his uh, in truth? In truth social, he basically came out and said, "I kept Israel safe," and he's trying to promote that. Look, the bottom line is Trump gave himself a little bit of fodder. He gave his opponents a little bit of fodder to attack him, and attack him they have. Desantis has been all over Twitter and all over the place this past weekend saying it was. Inappropriate. It was the wrong time. You shouldn't have done it. But, you know, on the other hand, Trump's the one who moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Trump's the one who got the Abraham Accords started. I mean, it's really tough to sort of convince pro Israel voters that Trump's not on their side. I don't know. What do you make of it, Emily?
3: Yeah, I thought that attack was absolutely silly over what Trump said about Hezbollah. Um, I I think the Netanyahu thing is interesting because uh, I think this was Glenn Greenwald had an interesting quote last week about how diversity of opinion in Israel is uh, much, you know, there's much more diversity of opinion about Israel in Israel than there is in the conversation in the United States sometimes. Um, And it's true, like a lot of people in Israel are actually pretty upset with Netanyahu and the government right now over how so many civilians were allowed to be attacked so viciously um, when, you know, they have this vast intelligence apparatus that they pay for. Um, So I think that is a legitimate conversation. I think dredging up old... uh, Irrelevant beefs with him was weird, but at the end of the day, weird and wrong. But at the end of the day, really is not going to do much uh, on on the side of voters. And I think there's it's it's a whiff of desperation. You can sort of get that whiff of desperation from other candidates who were using that uh, to try to wedge in an attack on Donald Trump because they're still two digits down uh, easily in just about every state. Uh, I think over Trump. I mean, I think it, maybe the closest is in New Hampshire, but. Everyone is trailing by huge numbers. The first caucus state, Iowa. Um, So I think they're grasping at straws to try to do anything. But I don't actually think that's going to work with voters.
0: Mm. Trump truthed out the following, Eliana. What happened in Israel was barbaric. Now, American universities are allowing or enabling the open hatred against Israel and and America instead of educating our young Americans. Uh, Deans stand idly by while subversive groups are calling for a national day of resistance. Not only is this anti Semitic, it is also anti American. Good for him. I agree. I completely agree with this. Um, And yet, then he went out and he wanted to remind folks of who he actually is and who actually might be to blame in part when it comes to US policy on this dicey issue. Here's thought 14
1: I kept Israel safe. Remember that. I kept Israel safe. Nobody else will. Nobody else can. And I know all of the players, they can't do it. But I kept Israel safe and I will keep Israel safe. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. so this is where this is leading me. The Biden administration, which has given I think it's it's released or made possible something like 50 billion dollars to Iran over the past couple of years, not to mention the most recent payment of six billion, which was going to go into Iran's hands. Uh, which right now is on hold, thank God, under pressure from the right, saying, and a couple of Democrats saying, don't do that. Um, now, there is a very interesting lawsuit that Town Hall wrote up today, a woman named Sarah Arnold, uh, recognizing that a Texas federal judge just allowed a lawsuit to advance, alleging that the Biden administration knowingly sent U.S. funds to Palestine which they understood would run the risk of ending up in hands of terrorists. We knew some of this, but I thought it was very interesting, the details. The judge found that, this is from a lawsuit by American First Legal, this is the Stephen Miller uh, organization, they've been doing amazing stuff. The judge said AFL's recent production of records shows that the government, and she means the Biden administration, knew its economic support fund uh, funding in the West Bank and Gaza was benefiting Palestinian terrorists, thereby increasing the risk of terrorist attacks against the plaintiffs and others similarly situated. So this is, they're going to get more documentation on exactly what we funded over there and how much and how many red flags were posted before we did it. So I appreciate Joe Biden going on 60 Minutes and saying the right things this past week about Israel, nothing about Iran, but about Israel. But let's be real. These policies of funding the Palestinians, of funding Hamas indirectly, of funding Iran, had a hand
4: in what got us here. A couple of things. I want to give um, a shout out to Free Beacon reporter Adam Credo, who wrote a story on this State Department memo that is the subject of that lawsuit where State Department employees were flagging um, for each other, the fact that they had to seek a Treasury Department exemption um, to send this money over to Gaza and said they knew they were taking a risk that this money would end up in the hands of terrorists. Um, so I wanted to flag that. And also- Yeah, no, we um, mentioned that last week. To circle back on something the president, that President Trump said, because I think it's important, and he said, no one's done more to keep Israel safe. I do think it's important for Americans to keep in mind that though the U.S. and Israel have a close alliance, um, Israel is keeping Israel safe. And it is important to Israel um, that it is responsible for keeping its own citizens safe. Um, it does not take enormous handouts from the U.S. And, um, I, and I think it was a mistake for Trump to say that. Um It's also a mistake for him to be going after BB right now. It's stupid. He is picking a bone with BB because BB recognized Biden's election. And it's not going to hurt Trump with his voters. But I do think it's a bad it's a bad sign about where his head is right now, which is still back um, with bones to pick about who was where on the 2020 election. And in terms of running and campaigning in 2024, uh, it's not a good sign for Trump if his campaign is back in 2020. Um, Moving on to Biden. Uh, Look, Megan, the administration knows it has a problem with Iran. They know the day that uh, Hamas launched these attacks in Israel, every Biden administration spokesman was singing the same tune. They were all on television the same day saying not a single dollar of that six million has been spent. Not a single dollar has been spent now. It was strange, sort of, that they were all saying that at the same time, but uh, they were trying to get in front of the attacks they knew would come. They know they're vulnerable on this. They know their policy towards Iran has been weak. They know this attack from Hamas on Israel, which is, of course, uh, coordinated, uh, whether directly or indirectly. They know Iran had a hand on. They know this is a vulnerable, weak point for them. Mm -hmm.
0: That's right. And that's that's also why, I think, despite the Washington Post reporting and the Wall Street Journal reporting that Iran did have a hand in planning this, that they met in Beirut with Hamas leadership prior to the attack. Um, the administration keeps saying no evidence, no evidence. Here was the president on that on 60 Minutes um, last night. Sat for.
1: Is Iran behind the Gaza war? I don't want to get into classified information, but to be very blunt with you, there is no clear evidence of that. At this point, no this point, evidence that Iran is behind any of this. Correct. Now, Iran constantly supports Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't mean that. But in terms of were they did they have foreknowledge, did they help plan the attack? They, they, there's no evidence of that at this point.
0: I don't know, Emily. I just feel like he's so tied up in them. He's just a continuation of the boneheaded Barack Obama policy to try to be friends with Iran. You know, it's like the mean girl at school who wants nothing to do with you, who would really like to destroy your life. And you just they are desperate for her to like you. That's us toward Iran. That, and it's, it's based in Barack Obama started it. I'm actually going to go through this tomorrow. Um, and he's continuing it. So I just feel like they have a political reason to say, nope, no, no, nothing that we saw. Nothing. You know, maybe all this other sort of side funding that helps them indirectly, but not directly.
3: Yeah, President Biden has uh, said things that are in contrast with his administration's record. or He's taken a tone that I think is in some contrast with his administration's record. When you look at people like Rob Malley, when you look at what happened under the Obama administration with people like Ben Rhodes, uh, there was this uh, kind of a campus ideology that had at that point migrated into democratic politics and was installed in the Obama administration in the name of sort of turning a new leaf for Democrats. It's the post rock foreign policy of the Democratic Party. Um, and it's this, this kind of galaxy brain, anti-colonial uh, anti-colonial ideology that then migrates into having some really devastating consequences from Israel. We know groups like the Brookings Institution were bought and paid for by Qatar over the last decade, uh, which shelters Hamas leaders. We know that Rob Malley is under extremely serious investigation right now for p- potentially allowing like an Iranian spy ring uh, to to fester in the ranks of our yeah. own government with uh, just abject sympathy for Iran. So this is a real ideological cause rooted in the Biden administration. And he may want to talk reserved like that now for any number of reasons. But it's hard to take it that seriously that he has a real reason to do it, given where his administration has been on this.
0: Emily, Eliana, thank you so much, as always. Thank you, Megan. And we'll see all the rest of you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.